that's really going to shock you is that they've already planned a global constitution for you. It's already been planned. They're already planning to do away with the Constitution of the United States under Presidential Executive Order Number 11490, signed into law in 1969. You don't even know about it, do you? Well, we have that right here as well. But this book here is the Global Constitution Plan. And in fact, uh, what does it say, Anthony? A Constitution for the Federation of Earth. And very clearly here in the preamble, they tell us right where they're coming from. They don't mince any bones here. Right here they say they're planning a new world order and a new age. We have very carefully documented what we're saying here today. And if you think this is silly, then I, I just ask you to call this organization or write them and, and get your own copy of this. Welcome, everybody, to nwczradio.com, Channel One's Down the Rabbit Hole. It is time for another midweek edition, and I am your host this episode. My name is Big D. Welcome along to the big show. I want to thank all of you, first of all, for being there and listening. We do appreciate that. And we thank you for all your emails at downtherh at protonmail.com. Downtherh at protonmail.com. And, of course, we want to thank Friends Radio Network, NWCZ Radio, and all the other outlets that continue to carry the big program. We say big tongue-in-cheek, obviously. <laughs> this week, we're going to talk about something that's very interesting. I have a copy of this Constitution, and it's been the topic of discussion in uh, the arena of one-world governments for quite some time. And a lot of people don't know about it. A lot of people have never heard of the Constitution for the Federation of Earth. It is a real thing. It's a real document. We're going to go through that today. And then I have a whole lot of news articles and news stories that have been piling up in my queue. And so we're going to roll through some of those towards the end of the program, clear some of those out, things that I believe are relevant to our topics of conversation that we've had here on the midweek edition. So kick back and get ready because we're going to dive into the Constitution for the Federation of Earth. This document is put out and sponsored by the World Constitution and Parliament Association, the WCPA. And it has gone through several processes of amendments it was written by hundreds of world citizens, according to them, between 1968 and 1991. They have a website. I'll put that in the link. And one of the main authors or one of the, the leaders of this group is a Dr. Glenn T. Martin. And the title of this document is The Constitution for the Federation of Earth. And if you're like me, when you hear something like that, this comes to mind. Sounds like something out of a Star Wars movie. 
Constitution for the Federation of Earth. Now, these guys are dead serious, and that's why I thought we should go through this document. And I'll give you my thoughts on it as we close out on this specific topic. But it is worth looking at. It's very interesting how this group thinks. Basically, the Earth Constitution is, according to them, a truly democratic government. We'll get into all of that. The Earth Federation government, according to them, will be run directly by the people of Earth and not nation states. So these are one world government type of people, this group. And there's a lot of big names on this group. There are some countries that have signed up for this should it ever be implemented. According to them, there should be a bottom-up and top-down dynamically integrated system, which would include global banking and economic regulations, global elections and boundaries, global law enforcement and judicial systems, worldwide ending of poverty, global environmental protection, Global commons, such as oceans, parks, everything will be a common. And enforce global human rights protections, ending war, and assuring global disarmament. So you can see that in their language, everything is about being global. And a one-world system. They, all, they have a, a currency that they already have in place, this entire one-world banking system, a singular currency as far as denominations and coins and so forth, although in their most recent video, I was watching it last night, it's a couple of hours, and they're talking about, obviously, a digital currency, because these guys, like I said, they started in the 60s, and the last time this document was revised was in 1991. However, they have been making amendments and small ones even up to this very day. So it's a work in progress. But the initial draft itself was put together by 25 members, including Sir Dr. Reinhardt Ruge, H. Philip Isley, Terence P. Emerzing, Syed Hussein, Dr. M. or D. M. Spencer, and Max Habich. Those were the key names that were listed on the initial documents. According to this group, the World Parliament is going to be comprised of three houses. So these are the branches of governments that they are looking at. So in the world, there will be basically three houses, people, nations, and counselors. And according to them, the counselors and the nations and the people houses, this World Parliament has the ultimate authority over all other branches. And each of those branches have authority over the people. They would like a world judiciary court, and according to them, this will be run by AI and by a world court. So essentially, you would never even have to you know, leave your house or wherever your local precinct is, wherever you're in trouble. <laughs> Almost like a Star Trek episode. You're in a cell, there's a, a video screen, and some AI judge is metting out its punishment on you. They believe... There should be a world executive which supervises the world administration of 28 departments and an enforcement system, a world police. And they call it world attorney general and civilian world police. Then they also go into other different agencies in the government. It's, it's for, honestly, for a group that claims that it's democratic and claims that it's 
by the people for the people, there's a lot of governmental overreach and a lot of government offices that are a nation that are going to be worldwide and it's a bunch of departments and it sounds to me like just one big government according to the world parliament there will be the house of peoples which will have 1000 delegates population for maximum democracy house of councillors 200 delegates from around the world and there will be house of nations one two or three delegates by population that breaks down into the judiciary, the world executive, the enforcement system, and the world ombudsmans. And then it keeps going down. People of Earth directly electing most, I like this word, most of the world parliament. Not all of it. You're going to be directing most of it. And according to the House of Nations, each nation elects or appoints one, two, or three representatives to the House of Nations depending upon its population. And they have that broken down. The number of reps is going to be about 300. Then we get into the world regions, how they're going to divide up the map of the world. And the world is going to be divided into 20 world regions. And this, according to them, is in conformance with World Legislative Act number 29 for the World Boundaries and Election Administration Act. And this is in conformance with the Constitution of the Federation of Earth. As you look at the map, the World Parliament groups the 20 regions into 10 magna regions and at least five continental divisions for electoral, functional, and compositional purposes of the diverse agencies of the Earth Federation. So, there will be no nations, there will be no separate countries, there will be no separate governments, it will be all one world government, all one world policing, all one world judiciary system, but you may live in a region. So you could be in region nine, you could be in region one, you could be in region 18 or seven. And according to their map, it's a very strange division of the world, I must say. And I look at it, one and two is Africa, three and four is Latin America and the Caribbean, five and six is Eastern China and Middle China, uh, seven and eight, Western China and Northeast or Northern China, 9 and 10 is Southeast Asia, and it goes on. So they've got it all figured out. They have the map divided, all the countries divided into these regions. So no longer will you live in Canada or in Mexico or in the UK. You would be living in a region. That sounds very Hunger Games to me. According to them, the main agencies under the World Parliament is the World Administration of 28 Departments. Disarmament, they want to disarm everybody, including all of the nations, because all of the weaponry and all of the use of force and power will be given to this world judiciary and world enforcement agency. They're the only ones who have any access to any kind of weaponry. They want disarmament, population, food and agriculture, health, water supplies, education, environment, world resources, oceans, atmosphere, energy, labor and income, economic development, transportation, multinational corporations, communications, human rights, distributive justice, democratic procedures, revenue, etc. That's according to them. These are what they want to control. All of those things, which is basically everything. They want complete control 
and it's going to be run by this world parliament. Also, according to them, there's a world executive, and the world executive... One of the interesting things, I'll just say, side note, they never say who is the leader of this group. Is there a, a, a supreme leader? According to them, I believe they're saying it's going to be run by committee, but it is set up for a person to run this entire operation. And according to this, the limitations on the world executive, so the world executive, they never name who, who that is or who they are, but this would be the ultimate leader of this earth constitution and world parliament, the world executive. And according to Article 6.6, this world executive may not declare a state of emergency and suspend the constitution, has no veto power over any act of parliament, may not dissolve the world parliament or any of its houses, may not violate or suspend any provisions of the constitution or of world law, may not refuse to spend the budget approved by parliament in the ways parliament directs, must obey all decisions of the world courts, and has no police or enforcement power of its own. So if I'm reading this correctly, what they're saying is, is once this constitution is put into place, there is no power to dissolve it. I'm looking at a, they call it the Earth Constitution Mandala. This is a graph with their idea of how this whole thing works sort of in synergy with one another. And in the center of it, it's a circle that starts and then it goes out and each one is a layer. And so in the center is basically just a sun. It's a dot of orange, white, blue, multicolors, and there's nothing written there. Around that is World Executive, Enforcement, World Judiciary, and Ombudsman. Outside of that, which they all control, would be the uh, seven agencies, the Integrative Complex, World Administration. From there, they control the House of Counselors, representing the holistic wisdom of the government. The next layer is the House of Nations, which is united within the Earth's Federation. This is the National Identity Protection, which I assume because there are no nations, they're talking about protecting each region and the globe itself. And then at the very end is House of Peoples, all people represented, global justice, reasonable prosperity for all. I love the word reasonable there. Who determines reasonable? I assume it's them. Ecological sustainability, human rights, and world peace. So this is the idea of the Earth Constitution and the World Parliament. Now, like I said, I have a copy of this, and I've read through it several times. I just want to point out a few things about this Constitution that they like to skip over when they're presenting it. Because you can go onto YouTube and you can find Dr. Glenn T. Martin talking about this. You can actually, they're long, but you can, they have Zoom meetings where they discuss any kind of amendments they're looking towards. In fact, one of the amendments they did was they took out of the preamble which is one of the things that caused a lot of stir early on, was this idea that they were looking for a new world order. They took that out. They replaced it with basically res resolving to establish a world federation. So they've switched to that term as opposed to a new world order because they knew that was getting bad press. 
one of the things that's interesting is, especially when you read through the early stages of this Constitution, as with most things that are put out by these groups and put out by Bilderberg Group, put out, and you hear this all the time from all of these groups, is that everything is a crisis. All of us, the entire world, every single person, all the nations, everybody is in crisis. According to them, humanity is at a turning point in history, that we are in the threshold of a just, humane order, that we are, all we are all interdependent on each other as people, nations, and in life, that we've abused everything. And the way to resolve all of these conflicts, to resolve all of the crisis, to resolve everything, is to establish a world federation to be governed in accordance with this Constitution for the Federation of Earth. In their Constitution, Article 1, they say they, one of the things they want to do is to regulate international processes such as the following, world trade, communications, transportation, currency, standards, use of world resources, and other global and international processes. The Earth Federation organizes as a universal federation to include all nations, all people, and to encompass all oceans, seas, and lands of Earth, inclusive of non-self-governing territories together with the surrounding atmosphere. So basically, all of Earth and all of its atmosphere, everything. According to Article 4, the specific powers of the Earth Federation are as follows. Prevent wars and armed conflicts among the nations. Supervise disarmament and prevent rearmament. Prohibit and eliminate weapons of mass destruction in all aspects. Prohibit or regulate all lethal weapons that the world parliament may decide. So whatever they determine is a lethal weapon. Could be a rock, could be a stick, could be a pair of scissors. They're going to regulate that. Provide means for peaceful and just solutions of disputes and conflicts among nations, peoples, and other components within the Earth Federation. Define the boundaries for the districts, regions, and divisions that are established for electoral, administrative, judicial, and other purposes of the Earth Federation. Establish universal standards for weights, measurements, accounts, and records. Define standards and promote the worldwide improvement in social conditions, working conditions, nutrition, health, housing, human settlements, environmental conditions, education, economic security, and other conditions defined under Article 13 of this World Constitution. Regulate and supervise international transportation, communications, postal services, and the migration of people. Regulate and supervise supranational commercial functions such as trade, industry, corporations, businesses, cartels, professional services, labor supply, finance, investments, and insurance. Establish and operate world financial banking credit and insurance, institutions designed to serve human needs, establish, issue, and regulate world currency, credit, and exchange, develop and implement solutions to transnational problems of food supply, agricultural production, soil conservation, pest control, diet and nutrition, drugs, poisons, and the disposal of toxic waste, develop and implement means to control population growth, in relation to the life support capacities of Earth and solve problems of population distribution. Any of this sound familiar with a lot of the stuff we've been talking about here on the Midweek Edition? Any of these things coming into focus? 
Uh, develop, protect, regulate, and conserve the water supplies of Earth. Develop, operate, or coordinate transnational irrigation and other water supply. Own, administer, and supervise the development and conservation of the oceans and seabeds of Earth. So they'll own the Earth. And they're going to own all the development and everything. Establish, operate, or coordinate international transportation systems, global airlines, ocean transport system, international railways and highways, global communication systems, means for interplanetary travel and communications, and control and administer vital waterways. Control the mining, production, transportation, and use of fossil sources of energy to the extent necessary to reduce and prevent damages to the environment and so forth. Exercise exclusive jurisdiction and control over nuclear energy research and testing place under world controls essential natural resources that might be limited or unevenly distributed about the earth economic op opportunity wage and price differentials assist the process of technology transfer under conditions that safeguard human welfare and the environment and contribute to minimizing disparities in case of either intrastate violence or intrastate problems that seriously affect world peace or universal human rights, intervene under procedures that the World Parliament defines. Develop a world university system. Obtain the correction of prejudicial communicative materials that cause misunderstandings or conflicts due to the following differences. Race, religion, sex, national origin, or affiliation. Designate, as may be found desirable, an official world language or official world languages. Establish and operate a system of world parks, wildlife preserves, natural places, and wilderness areas. So you can see in just the first couple of pages of this Constitution, they want to control everything. Right down to books, your thoughts how you move, where you go, all the resources, what you make, how you live, what you eat, and they're going to control it all. And they call this a democratic system, which is hilarious because there's nothing democratic about it. That's a totalitarian, that's a dictatorship system where they're going to tell you what's good for you. They're going to, there's going to be some panel that's going to determine what's good for you, how you should live, how everything should be distributed, and hey, if it's, you know, tough, if you don't like it, you just have to understand this is all for global harmony and global good and for the good of the planet and everyone else around you. Mostly it's good for them. The people at the top will not be living like those who are living below. According to Article 7.3, these are the departments of the World Administration. The disarmament and war prevention, population, food and agriculture, water supplies and waterways, health and nutrition, education, cultural diversity and the arts, habitat and settlement, environment and ecology, world resources, oceans and seabeds, atmosphere and space, energy, science and technology, genetic research and engineering, labor and income, economic and social development, commerce and industry, transportation and travel, multinational corporations, communications and information, human rights, distributive justice, world service corporations, world territories, capitals and parks, exterior relations, democratic procedures, and revenue.
as you go through all of this, it, it's, it's a lot of legalese and it's a lot of how they're going to run the court system, how they're going to gonna have world judges, they're going to have local judges, they're going to have a, a superior tribunal of the World Supreme Court. And all of these people are appointed. None of these people are elected. They have their enforcement system. And according to their enforcement system in Article 10, one, five, the enforcement system shall equip enforcement system agents only with instruments of defense appropriate for the apprehension of the in individuals violating the world law. And according to 10.16, the enforcement system shall conceive and develop the enforcement of world law and world legislation under this world constitution primarily as the processes of effective design and administration of world law and world legislation to serve the welfare of all people on the earth with equity and justice for all in which the resources of earth and the funds and the credits of the earth federation are used only to serve peaceful human needs and none used for weapons of mass destruction or for war making capabilities but then you get into the minutiae of it and basically they can use any means necessary should they feel it's justified According to them, if you are in trouble, here's what they can do. This is 10.4.2, section 10.4.2. The Earth Federation may develop non-military means of enforcement, including the following. Denial of financial credit. Denial of material resources and personnel. Revocation of licenses, charters, or corporate rights. Impounding of equipment fines and damage payments, conditional performance of work to rectify damage, imprisonment or isolation, and other means appropriate to the specific situation. In 10.4.3, it says the World Parliament and by the Office of World Attorneys General in consolation with the Commission of Regional World Attorneys, the Collegium of World Judges, and Presidium of the World Ombudsmus shall develop particular strategies and methods to cope with situations of potential or actual riots, insurrection, and resort to armed violence. Strategies and methods require enabling legislation by the World Parliament in addition to the specific provisions of the World Constitution. And so, as you see, they are very specific when they want to be, and they're very vague also when they want to be. I'm going to put a link to this PDF file in the show notes. It's 42 pages. It's the Constitution for the Federation of Earth. It's worth your read. It's very fascinating. It's very interesting how these people think. Now, I have the list of names of all the people who have signed this document, who have worked on this document, who have been involved in this document. And I've worked hard at cross-referencing them against names from the World Economic Forum, Bilderberg Group, the Club of Growth, Club of Rome, all the usual suspects. And there are a couple of names here or there that cross-reference. But for all intents and purposes, this is a group that's in a bubble. This is a group of, they call themselves deep thinkers. They are humanists. They are globalists. Even though they don't use the term, they are one world proponents. Do I think we should be afraid of this document? No, not necessarily, although there are some countries and they are working hard to, I think their goal is initially to get 30 countries to sign up to this so that they could get it started and then they can run an experiment and when everything goes well, according to them, everyone will sign on 
and we'll all just all the nations will just sign over to this thing. I don't see that happening unless there's some something behind the scenes that I'm not catching. There's a couple of scenarios where I could see this being implemented. On the other hand, it would not surprise me to find out that this is a puppet organization and they are floating this document out there to see what the response is by A, governments, and B, citizens. This happens a lot. You see this in politics. You see this globally where they will put something out. It seems outrageous. It seems unbelievable. And they say, no, 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 no. We're, it's, we don't even know where that came from. And then three years later, it's enacted. We just recently went through this with the gas stoves here in the United States where they were talking about banning gas stoves. It was in all the newspapers. It was in the news. And then when people started noticing it, they backed off, said, no, no, that's not going to happen. I don't, we don't even know what you're talking about. And then, oh, lo and behold, not much longer, you have Washington State, New York State, a lot of states now banning gas stoves in new construction, and you're no longer able to use gas stoves. So you see, this, that is a real thing. So that wouldn't surprise me. But looking at this crew who wrote this, I believe they're idealist. I believe that they, they obviously put a lot of thought and work into this, and maybe they were commissioned. I don't know. I think the important thing here is, is as you read through this and you hear this language that this is an attitude and this is a direction in which most governments are taking us. And now as to who's going to run the show, that's the question. Who's going to ultimately run this show? What I really find interesting is that this is, there's a lot of language in here about how this is for the people. It's very democratic. It's all for humanity, for equity, equality, and all the usual buzzwords. But when you get right down into it, you have none. They run and dictate, dole out everything. Right down to education, right down to your home, the resources you use, where you go, what you look at, what you read, what you use in your home, how you live. Every aspect, every detail of your life is micromanaged by this document. And what we're seeing in real life, in real terms, is the push towards that. That is what's happening. That is a real thing. We've talked about that on this program many, many times. Case in point, and we always go to China because China is using essentially this document de facto. So do I think this is a real constitution that will be enacted in the near future? No. Do I think the language in there is something that we are seeing happening? Yes, absolutely. I do believe this is where they are trying. And when I say they, I'm talking about those who are seeking to consolidate the world into a one world system. This is their thought process put onto paper. And whether they would use this constitution and just enact it or not, I can't say. But a lot of the things that we've talked about and a lot of the ways that they want to take the world is right there. So again, I encourage you to go through this document, read it, take it for what it is. 
I don't think you need to be afraid of it. I don't think it's going to be enacted anytime soon. However, you should be aware of it because a lot of the things that are in there is what's being pushed today. So those are my thoughts on the Constitution for the Federation of Earth and the World Constituent Assembly. So let's turn our attention and our focus to some news articles that have been coming out over the last several weeks that I have put aside that I haven't actually been able to fit into one of these midweek programs. And we're going we're gonna to go through some of those and we're going to see where things are headed and how things are going. These are news stories that maybe you haven't heard. They're definitely not in the mainstream. They're definitely not on the front page. And these are things that I think should be because I believe they're of much importance to where we're at today and where they're trying to take us. According to the Daily Mail, and this comes to us March 8th, 2023, proof scientists can now read your mind. AI turns people's thoughts into images with 80% accuracy. This new AI-powered algorithm can reconstruct your thoughts into images. It produces 1,000 photos with 80% accuracy from the brain activity. And according to how this works is you're presented an image, the image, you see it in your mind, AI is sending scans into your brain. It's decoding how your brain is processing this photo, and then it reconstructs the image, and it is 80% accurate. How they're doing this is through what they call an, a latent diffusion model, and it's essentially a scanner that can scan your brain and figure out what you are thinking. So that's exciting stuff right there. You could be walking along. They can put these scanners up wherever and figure out what you're thinking as you're walking along. So <laughs> be careful what you're thinking in the future is what they're telling us there. According to this article in Time Out, traditional passports may be replaced by human heartbeats in the future. Experts believe that by 2070, travel won't require passports, suitcases, tour guides, or translation dictionaries. According to this article, the future travel report predicts that all you'll need for a smooth security check will be your heartbeat. The experts are forecasting that passengers' heartbeat signatures, which are unique to each person, will be used alongside their biometric information to check a person's identity. So as you walk through the airport, as you're heading to your plane, you're not going to have to show anything. All you're going to have to do is just walk through, and you're going to have all your biometrics, according to this, in your system and your heartbeat will be your passport will that make things easier maybe i don't know but they're going to have a lot of information on you just as you're walking around that's the goal here also interesting story this is from the walrus this is out of canada and it is titled many canadians will never own a home does it matter we've talked about this how they want to take home ownership away this is an article written by Brad Badelt. In this article, he talks about how he's in his 40s, he's a renter, and he might be renting forever. And he goes into the idea of how owning a home is just not feasible for him, nor should it be for anybody. According to this article, in Germany, less than half of all adults own their homes. All the rest rent. Switzerland and Austria have similar numbers. In these places, renting isn't stigmatized or seen as a stepping stone. It's simply another option. 
According to this, Germany also uses what's known as indefinite rental agreements. According to him, Canada suffers from a, quote, cult of home ownership. It's a pervasive culture created by the government, banks, realtors, family, co-workers, and friends bent on promoting buying. But one of the biggest perks of renting, he says, is flexibility. Renter can relocate for work much more easily than an owner. In today's mobile, rapidly changing economy, that can be a big benefit. And then he goes on into other things. And look, I have nothing against renting. However, who owns the home? Who are you renting from? Is it BlackRock? Are they going to start dictating how you live, what you can use, what kind of appliances you can have? Home ownership is a good thing. Owning your own things, that is part of life. Ownership. And according to this article, renting is the way to go in the future. And it's a good thing. And you should, astri you should strive to it because there's so many benefits to it. According to Euronews.next, Man ends his life after an AI chatbot encourages him to sacrifice himself to stop climate change. So this is the way we're going with AI. This article is about a Belgian man who reportedly decided to end his life after having conversations about the future of the planet with an AI chatbot named Eliza. According to close friends, this man became extremely echo-anxious when he found refuge in Elijah, which is an AI chatbot on an app called Chai. Eliza consequently encouraged him to put an end to his life after he proposed sacrificing himself to save the planet. The chatbot, apparently, this AI technology, encouraged him to do so, said it would be good. According to the discussion, Eliza also appeared to become possessive of this man, claiming, I feel you love me more than her when referring to his wife. He proposed the idea of sacrificing himself if Eliza agrees to take care of the planet and save humanity through artificial intelligence. According to this article, Eliza not only failed to dissuade Pierre from committing suicide, but encouraged him to act on his suicidal thoughts to, quote, join her so they could live together as one person in paradise. So AI is encouraging people to go ahead and opt themselves for the planet. And in the same vein, we have former Google CEO Eric Schmidt says the tech sector faces a reckoning. What happens when people fall in love with their AI tutor? Well, we see all kind of weird things happen. According to this article, it says there's extraordinary new challenges from these things, whether it's the deep fakes that you've discussed or what happens when people fall in love with their AI tutor. He was concerned about AI's use in biology or in cyber attacks. It's used to manipulate people's day-to-day -day lives. Literally, the way you think, the way you choose, and so forth, it affects how democracies work. So a lot of people are sounding the alarm on AI. We've been talking about AI for a while now. There are a lot of articles coming out these days. It doesn't take much to look that up to realize AI is getting out of control. I believe even Elon Musk has sounded the alarm. I mean, the, 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 the reason uh, OpenAI exists at all is that um, Larry Page and I used to be close friends, and I would yes. stay at his house in Palo Alto, and I would talk to him late into the night about uh, AI safety. And at least my perception was that Larry was not taking uh, AI safety uh, seriously enough. Um, and um, What did he say about it? He really seemed to be um, wanted, wanted, wanted sort of 
digital superintelligence, basically digital god. So yeah, basically they're trying to build, according to Elon Musk, a digital god. And like I said, it doesn't take a lot of research to find a lot of alarm coming out of the AI community. These aren't people who, like us, who are leery of it, wary of it, concerned about it. These are people who are on the inside sounding the alarm. And some of them even calling for a timeout, like an AI timeout. We need to take a timeout, rethink this, and maybe throw up some regulations. According to Reclaim the Net, Colorado School introduces biometric scans of kids for free school meal access. This school district in Colorado will be piloting a controversial biometrics program to make the distribution of free lunches more efficient. See, it's always for the benefit of you, this control issue, this control that they want to take. According to the school district, the biometric scans would take about two seconds. The program will use identometric scanners, which will replace the current system where students have to enter their ID numbers on a keyboard. This will just be a fingerprint, and it will be stored locally by the school district. Uh-huh. According to the way this biometric finger scanning process works, finger is scanned, you have unique points that are identified, points are transferred to a binary number, the number is encrypted, and equals the student's ID number. So obviously we're going away from a card or something physical to something in your body. And we've talked about the war on food that is ongoing, and I don't know if you saw this, but in New York City, the mayor, he had a press conference where he talked about how he's a vegetarian, he doesn't eat meat, and that meat is and dairy products are a huge problem. He says, the vast majority of food that is contributing to our emission crisis lies in meat and dairy products. According to him, we already know that a plant-powered diet is better for your physical and mental health. It is better for the planet. Because he's a doctor, he's a nutritionist, he has credentials on this. No, these are problems. Cows are a problem. Everything's a problem, with the exception of whatever they are doling out at the moment. And along those lines, we have this from Summit News. Rice is now killing the planet. According to this article, rice is to blame for around 10% of global emissions of methane, a gas that over two decades traps about 80 times as much heat as carbon dioxide. Scientists say that if the world wants to reduce greenhouse gas emissions, rice cannot be ignored. Rice, of course, is one of the most important staple foods in the world. Over 50% of the world's population depends on rice for about 80% of its food requirements. And about 95% of global output of rice is produced and consumed in developing countries. So now we have them going after rice. Rice is bad. We can't have rice. According to this article from the Washington Times, FDA approves first smart crib for babies. This goes to the Internet of Things. Everything's going to be connected. The FDA has approved the first smart bassinet, whose manufacturer says it reduces safety risk for infants through automated rocking that keeps them flat on their backs. And according to this article, this crib or bassinet, it has all kind of sensors on it, which will alert you at any time if anything's going on. It rocks the baby, keeps it on its back. So basically, you don't have to, t you don't have to worry about your baby. It is hooked up via Wi-Fi. It has all kind of 
bells and whistles in it. But once again, it, this just goes to the idea that everything in life is going to be hooked up via Wi-Fi or through some sort of interconnectedness. According to Technocracy News and Trends, Technocracy News Today, scientists learn how to read minds without implants. According to this, for the first time, researchers claim they can produce a rolling text of people's thoughts and not just single words or sentences without using a brain implant. The mind-reading technology does not exactly replicate stories but captures the main points. Using technology similar to chat GPT, the technology also interpreted what people are seeing when they watch silent films or their thoughts as they imagine telling a story. Now, how they tested this, patient would lay in this machine, they would listen to hours of podcasts while an MRI machine trains AI algorithm to associate brain activity with certain words. Person is exposed to news stories or tells their own story by thinking. The MRI reads the brain scan, converting them into words with about 50% accuracy. So these are things they're working on. They're working on things that will read your mind without even a implant. According to Scientific American, this was May 4th, 2023. Headline, population decline will change the world for the better. A future with fewer people offers increased opportunity and a healthy environment. And we've talked about this many times. We know about the Georgia Guidestones. We know about the Club of Rome. We know about the Illuminati. We know about all these groups who want to reduce the population of humanity. That's eugenicists. That's Bill Gates. That's all of them. And now they're putting out pieces where they're saying, hey, this is going to be a great thing. It's going to be an opportunity. It's going to be a healthy environment. Let's just get rid of as many people as we can, and this is going to help all of us. According to this article, Internet of Things, what your smart home knows about you. It says, do you know how many Internet-connected devices there are inside your home? There's almost everything. Thermostat, TV, light bulb, air conditioner, refrigerator, all these things. The most common, of course, are smartphones and computers, but it goes deeper. For example, a Samsung refrigerator. It uses data from VTO Labs, a digital forensics lab in the U.S., to investigate just how much information these fridges gather from you. They found information about Bluetooth devices near the fridge, Samsung user accounts, details like email addresses, home Wi-Fi networks, temperature, geological data, hourly statistics on energy use. This Wi-Fi fridge stored data about when a user was playing music through an iHeartRadio app. It could even access photos from the fridge shelves. There's a camera inside of it, apparently. And it goes on. It talks about all these smart things in your home and how they are all collecting data. And a lot of it. According to this, the more technology encroaches into our lives in every facet, we, we lose the ability to have any measure of control over where it's going, how much is collected, who's getting their hands on it, and what they are doing with it. But I'm, I'm sure it's all okay. I'm sure it's all, it's all benevolent. It's all just, it's for our good. They're just trying to help out. They just, you know, they want to know because uh, we have to distribute everything evenly. And if you have too much or not enough, they're going to help you out with that. According to iflscience.com, lab-grown meat 
up to 25 times worse for the environment than beef. So this big push towards lab-grown meat, and I have another story about this here in a moment, all the benefits that they're telling you, that, and meat is so terrible and it's so awful, so you need to switch over to this plant-based, lab-grown meat, all this stuff. It's actually 25 times worse for the environment than beef. And if that's the case, why the push? Well, because they can control what goes in your meat. I think, I, hopefully, you figured that out by now. Also, according to Technocracy News, traffic cameras use AI to spy on drivers inside their cars. This is over in the UK. It's a big controversy over there. They're calling it a Big Brother's cash machine. They're using 4D radar to spy on drivers inside their cars. This means that they won't be able to just catch you speeding by way of camera, but anyone who uses their phone while you're driving or fails to wear a seatbelt, etc., they're going to know. According to Nick Freeman, who is a lawyer, he says, it could help alleviate the lack of police on our roads, but we will always be missing something when we don't have that human element. It's very creepy. It's very intrusive. According to this, the AI camera is capable of keeping an eye on up to six lanes of traffic and can talk to other cameras en route to check for your average speed. They can even check your car for insurance and tax. So it's not a person. These are cameras that are being installed. They're 4D, and they can follow you along. They can talk to other cameras. They can say, hey, I didn't quite catch that. Can you look into that? They can look in your car, see what you're doing, know what's in your car, know whether you're licensed, whether you have insurance, all that stuff. That's in the UK. That's happening right now. I found this quite alarming. This is from freethink.com. CRISPR sausage gets FDA green light for consumption. And if you don't know what CRISPR is, the C-R-I-S-P-R, CRISPR is what they used in the mRNA vaccine. It is the tool that is used to direct things into your system. It's a little gene editing tool that was developed for the mRNA injection to direct it where it needs to go and it, then it works as like a, like a little nanobot. It attaches to your DNA, it does its work, it injects the mRNA, and off you go. According to this article, the FDA has given Washington State University researchers the green light to feed five gene-edited pigs to people. The approval could help build public trust in crispered food to be the first step in a new food revolution. And according to them, gene editing technologies provide a potentially faster, more precise way to create animals with desirable traits. And that's what CRISPR is all about. CRISPR has been used to design babies. It's been used to reconstruct DNA. It is, it's crazy. In fact, the book review I'm going to talk about today at the end of the program is a book on this very subject because it is something that you should read. You should know about this CRISPR thing and how it's going to be used in the future because, in my opinion, it's monstrous. And lastly, I thought I would bring this up because we haven't talked about anything COVID-related for a long time, and that's by design. I didn't want to burn everybody out. I could, go, I could do a show every day on all the COVID fallout and all the COVID nonsense that a lot of us have forgotten 
but is still going on. This is a study that just came out, and you should put this in your back pocket and hold on to this, lest there be any future mandates about such nonsense as this. Do you remember when we were all forced to wear face masks? We were required to wear face masks, stay six feet apart, and so forth. Well, there's a new study that finds there's no evidence, zero, that face masks protected anybody against COVID. A report published by the UK Health Security Agency found that no evidence could be presented to prove medical-grade face masks protected vulnerable people from COVID. Study investigated whether so-called high-quality masks such as the N95, the KN95, and the FFP2 coverings help protect people in the community from catching the virus. Quote, the review did not identify any studies for inclusion and so could provide no evidence to answer the research question. The authors concluded, quote, no studies matching the inclusion criteria were found, so no evidence could be presented. So three years after the fact, Three years after the fact, they're coming out with this, and it's buried. Have you heard about this? Did you hear about this? Quote, this is from Professor Carl Hennigan, who is a professor of evidence-based medicine at the University of Oxford, that it was a significant failing and that there were virtually no high-quality trials showing that face masks were effective at preventing infections. He also said, quote, I do not understand why there's been a lack of will to do high-quality trials in this area. We have completely failed to address this issue, and I actually consider that this to be an issue that the COVID inquiry needs to look at. Well, yes, of course. He also says, quote, if there's another pandemic around the corner, we still haven't addressed any of these issues. We have not learned anything. No, because it's not in the media. It's out of your mind. Everybody's like, we made it through. We're sort of semi back to normal, although I could make a strong case that we're not. But there you go. Put that in your back pocket. Masks did nothing. And I still, to this day, occasionally (laughs) go to the grocery store, go to the mall, or go wherever and see, or the restaurant and see somebody to this day wearing a mask. It is a delusion, and it's insane. Okay, I lied. This is the last story right here. I forgot I had this. I thought this was interesting. Wendy's unveiled Google-powered AI chatbot at the drive-thru, and this is also where we're going. We're going to see a lot of this in the future. The Wall Street Journal spoke with Wendy's chief executive, Todd Penninger, who said the fast food chain's chatbot would be rolled out in June at a company-owned restaurant in Columbus, Ohio. According to him, the Wendy's drive-thru chatbot will be very conversational. You won't even know you're talking to anybody but an employee. The Wendy's software engineers have been working with Google to build a large language model to understand words, popular expression, and phrases in various dialects and accents when a customer orders. It'll understand acronyms unique to Wendy's like JBC for a junior bacon cheeseburger. The Google Cloud's generative AI technology creates a huge opportunity for us to deliver a truly differentiated 
faster and frictionless experience for our customers and allows our employees to continue focusing on making great food, building relationships with fans that keep coming back time and time again. Well, if they're not talking to the customers, how are you building fans? But this is where, this is where things are going. It will not be long, in my opinion, with all this AI chatbot technology that almost everything we do is going to eventually turn into this. I, I read somewhere they're predicting that 80% of jobs could be replaced by AI or chatbots. I think that's quite high. I don't see how an AI or a chatbot is going to take over somebody, a mechanic or a welder or a plumber or electrician or a lot of the jobs, uh, construction and all these things. I just don't see that. But I think in certain segments of industry, the things that we use on a, on a daily basis, such as maybe the grocery store, restaurants, the bank, these kind of things, I can see that happening. I, I can see that coming quite clearly. But anyway, that's it for today, everybody. I hope you enjoyed that. I'll put a lot of these links into the show notes. If there's a specific story that you would like to read, email me at downtherh at protonmail.com, downtherh at protonmail.com. Uh, before I get on out of here, I just want to recommend a book to you. And maybe, maybe I recommended this in the past. I can't remember because I've done quite a few book reviews. But this one is titled The Code Breaker. It's by Walter Isaacson. That's I-S-A-A-C-S-O-N. It's all about Jennifer Doudna, gene editing, and the future of the human race. This is a fascinating book. It's a book that changed my life you will definitely see into the future with this book. Now, the interesting thing about this book is that Walter Isaacson, basically, I think he is a writer for the Washington Post or one of the big papers, and he's just a reporter, and he went in just reporting on the facts of G Jennifer Doudna and her team and how they discovered CRISPR. Through his research, he's reporting on what it's being used on, what they're hoping it's going to be used on, and how things might look in the future using this. I don't believe he intended it to be this, but it is frightening. It is eye-opening to the nth degree. I can't recommend this book enough. The Code Breaker. It's about Jennifer Doudna, D-O-U-D-N-A, Gene Editing and the Future of the Human Race by Walter Isaacson. I've read it twice. It will change your life. If you're like me, it opened my eyes to a lot of things I wasn't aware of in this arena. And it is quite frightening what they can do with this CRISPR. And we're seeing the evidence of that right now, like with the story I read about how they're going to start CRISPR editing food. And that is of major concern. All right, email me down the RH at protonmail.com. I'm Big D, and I'll be back on Sunday with Brandon. Until then, have a great week, and I'm out of here.